The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. You're listening to the VPM Daily Newscast, the recap of today's top stories in Central Virginia. From the VPM Newsroom in Richmond, I'm Benjamin Dolly. One of Governor Glenn Youngkin's top education officials wants to push back a first review of new history and social science standards for K-12 students. Superintendent of Public Instruction Jillian Balo says the Board of Education shouldn't take the issue up at their meeting today. Ben Pavier has more. Charles Pyle, a spokesperson for the Department of Education, told VPM News the 400-page draft standards contain serious errors and omissions. For example, there's no mention of 9-11 or the electoral college system in the benchmarks for high school students. But Adif Carney, Secretary of Education under former Governor Ralph Northam, says those can be easily corrected. He accused the Young administration of resisting a more inclusive history proposed by Northam and others. Anytime you're talking about including other voices, Red flags go up in their minds. Pyle says Balo has been working with the Fordham Institute, a conservative-leaning think tank based in Washington, to review the standards. But he says the changes have to do with accuracy, not political ideology. Ben Pavier, VPM News. The ACLU of Virginia is suing to force the state to release a man from prison. Antoine Anderson was supposed to get out early on good behavior before Governor Yunkin rolled back an early release program the General Assembly approved in 2020. Attorneys for the ACLU claimed the Department of Corrections wrongly interpreted Yunkin's amendment when it voided the sentence credits Anderson had earned. The change stopped hundreds from going home early from prison in July. Yunkin and other Republicans argued the amendment kept people convicted of violent crimes off the streets. A new report says the city of Hopewell, the Richmond area, and much of eastern Virginia will be dealing with even more scorching temperatures in the coming decades. By the 2050s, the heat index on some days could rise to 125 degrees. Ryan Murphy from partner station WHRO has the details. A new report from the climate change research group the First Street Foundation identifies what it calls heat belts, where extreme heat will grow the most in the next 30 years. Much of eastern Virginia and eastern North Carolina are in a heat belt that extends from the suburbs of Washington, D.C. down the coast to Savannah, Georgia. Counties in those belts are expected to have at least one day with a heat index above 125 degrees by 2053. The number of dangerously hot days that don't reach quite as high will also grow. For instance, Dare County in northeast North Carolina should see around seven days above 101 degrees this year. By the 2050s, the report says to expect three times as many. That was Ryan Murphy reporting. Dozens of environmentalists and politicians celebrated the passage of a national climate bill yesterday in Richmond's Abner Clay Park. But some are concerned about agreements behind the scenes that could pave the way for new fossil fuel projects. Patrick Larson reports. The Inflation Reduction Act includes a reported $369 billion on climate spending, mostly on tax credits for clean energy technology like rooftop solar. Richmond City Council member Catherine Jordan says she backs the measure. Because we need to be moving Richmond towards renewable energy creation. 
and that is an expensive goal. Democratic Congressman Donald McEachin spoke in support of the act as well, but says he won't support permitting reform demanded by West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. All I can share with you at this point is that I will be in opposition to it. Proponents of these changes say some natural gas infrastructure is essential to keep costs down while transitioning to clean energy, and that easing state and federal regulations is necessary to get clean energy facilities built. Patrick Larson, VPM News. Private schools in the Richmond area are continuing to see increased enrollment in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. According to Richmond BizSense, many parents turned to private schools in order for their children to continue in-person instruction as public schools went to a virtual or hybrid learning model over the past two years. Those families are now choosing to stay with private schools even as most public schools return to face-to-face classes. The head of Benedictine Schools of Richmond told Richmond BizSense that some parents are also looking at private schools amid debates on subject matter and parental control in their child's education. The increased enrollment has made the admissions process more competitive as many private schools are now at or near capacity. The city of Charlottesville continues to grapple with its identity five years after the deadly Unite the Right rally. Whitney Evans talked to residents who say the city needs to do more to protect and preserve black life and culture. Former Charlottesville City Council member Wes Bellamy recently posted a photo of himself on Twitter, fist raised on the patch of dried grass in Emancipation Park, where a statue of Robert E. Lee used to stand. Hashtag New Seaville, he says in the tweet. But five years after the Unite the Right rally, where a counter-protester was murdered and two state troopers were killed in a helicopter crash, many wonder if the city has actually changed. Wes Bellamy argues, absolutely. I'm not going to say that racism is, is dead and we still don't have to address white supremacy in Charlottesville, but the, the air is not as thick as it was in 2015, 16, 17. People are a lot more empowered and emboldened. People are a, a lot more equipped to be able to deal with difficult situations. Bellamy, who served on city council from 2016 to 2019, resolved to see the city's statue of Robert E. Lee removed. A white supremacist and University of Virginia alum named Jason Kessler cast him as an anti-white racist and galvanized white nationalist groups online to organize in the city in August of 2017. Bellamy says the rally forced the city to look inward at its own history of racism and inequality. Now he points to new grant opportunities for minority business owners and long overdue upgrades to public housing as examples of progress. We put $2.5 million into the affordable housing fund for us to get those projects started. And now those projects are off the ground and, and very soon people will be moving in them. So to me, that's a win. Bellamy says weekly basketball games at Tonsler Park provide a glimpse into how far the city has actually come. At Tonsler, the energy is frenetic but focused. Hip-hop rumbles through the speakers as the crowd cheers on players in matching jerseys on a newly resurfaced basketball court. Free throw is good. The Summer Basketball League began in 2010 under the name Banks College Basketball Association. Bellamy took over and rebranded the league this year. The Red Rock, no. Longtime resident Chris Johnson commented on all the recent improvements to the park. We got the water parks, the bathrooms, we got the hoops right here, and they, they put better, better baskets, you know, say so not the old school double rims that cut your hands. Johnson says it's a place where people feel connected. 
you know, it's beautiful, beautiful that we're growing, but I don't think that scar is, is fully healed by no means. Hey, what's up, man? Harold Foley is another lifelong Charlottesville resident and organizer with Legal Aid Justice Center. He also praised the Tonsler Park gatherings, but was quick to add they will never replace the thriving black community that existed here in Charlottesville long before Unite the Right. It doesn't have a black culture. He gestures toward the basketball court. That's it, right? Uh, the black culture got dis dismantled from urban renewal. In the 1960s, Charlottesville's historically black neighborhood, Vinegar Hill, was a casualty of the city's redevelopment plans. Black families were displaced and business owners were forced out of the downtown district. When Vinegar Hill was here, all the money was spent in Vinegar Hill. So it generated business and generated wealth. So the city not only bulldozed the economy that black residents built, but also dismantled a tight-knit community. Years later, a lack of affordable housing has emerged as one of the key reasons Foley says black people are leaving the city. Shad Gill was also born and raised in Charlottesville. Right in front of you right now, you'll see new developments uh, within less than a 500 yards of predominantly black neighborhoods that's basically in shambles. He knows the struggle from experience. Um, myself, I recently bought a house out in Savannah County within the last two years because when I was ready to purchase my home, you know, nothing was like, it was nothing that was within my, you know, my range that I could afford. But housing is not just expensive in Charlottesville. There's not enough of it. We're talking about thousands of homes uh, and we need them yesterday. And we don't have enough money to do that. We cannot fill the hole. Lyle Sola Yates is chair of the Charlottesville Planning Commission. Um, so we looked at, well, what can we do? And that came to about $10 million a year. So city council has committed to do that, and we've been doing that. Uh, and it, it's helping. It is making a difference. And it is beginning to add up. The city approved an affordable housing plan recently, which recommends ditching single-family zoning, a tool historically used to reinforce racial segregation in favor of a plan that permits higher-density buildings. Think apartments and townhomes. This didn't go over well with some homeowners, who sued the city to stop the proposal. Back at Tonsler Park, Tanisha Hudson, another lifelong Charlottesville resident, says housing is the tip of the iceberg when it comes to problems here in the city. Oh, in the Livability magazine, we're number two on the list. Number two for who? For white people? Doctors, nurses, professors, people that make a decent living? The city is not welcoming for people of color, she says. We're in a park. We can't just walk down the street to an all-black bar. I don't want to be in your brewery. I want to be in a place that makes me feel my culture, makes me feel comfortable. Hudson is also frustrated with the high turnover of black leaders in the city. In 2018, amid fallout from the police department's handling of the Unite the Right rally, Charlottesville hired its first female police chief, Rochelle Brackney. She was fired last fall the city manager citing a need for new leadership in the department. Brackney has since sued the city for wrongful termination. The list of those who've come and gone is long. And Hudson points out a white city IT worker who took leave from work to enter the U.S. Capitol during the insurrection on January 6th is still employed.
Hudson disagrees with Wes Bellamy's characterization that the city is on the road to reform. I'm born and raised from here, so Wes can't speak for me because he's not from here. He didn't have to live here. His family didn't have to struggle living here and surviving here. So he can't speak for Charlottesville. Hudson says Charlottesville has to speak for Charlottesville. Whitney Evans, VPM News. This has been the VPM Daily Newscast. Some of these stories may have changed since the newscast was recorded. You can stay connected to what matters by heading to vpm.org news or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at myvpm. VPM. There are so many issues playing out in RVA. I mean, pretty much anyone will tell you. There's definitely a lot of poverty. Finding affordable housing. Traffic, public transportation. Climate change and heat islands. Trying to find childcare in Richmond area. I'm Rich Marr, host of a new VPM podcast called RVA's Got Issues. Listen to the podcast starting May 22nd. Do you have issues with RVA? Haven't found out yet. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) 